This is Penny Radio. Thank you for tuning in. I'm James Whittington, and I'm here to help you master your money. Whether you're a complete beginner or have been around the block once or twice, now is the time to start your journey and take control of your finances. And I'll be with you every step of the way. Welcome to Penny Radio, where we fuck about with microphones for 35 minutes before we get going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even know how to follow that now. Hang on. Hello, and welcome to Penny Radio, your personal guide to personal finance. Hi, Craig. Thank you very much for that great intro. Welcome to the third episode of our second season of Penny Radio. Not quite as long between episodes this time, so hopefully we can get the season back on track now. So how's it going, Craig? What have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, uh, you know, working from home, uh, enjoying the kids being back at school. Um, yep, that's it. Done. How about good, you? Good. Um, yeah, pretty much the same thing, but without the kids. So life what, obviously what you, much more enjoyable. What have you done with your kids, James? <laughs> oh, you can fetch a pretty penny for them these days. Despicable. Despicable. <laughs> Actually, no, I do have some news. We have started to foster a dog, actually, in the last couple of weeks. Oh, okay. Excellent. That's, what a, what, what, that's a really good thing to do. Tremendous. Yeah. So how long were you fostering her for? Is it like open, open-ended or, uh, you know? Yeah, it's open-ended. Basically, the charities say that uh, if you can get them into sort of a shape where they're, you know, adoptable or like able to sort of go into another home and she's an ex-street dog and then has been in kennels for I don't know how long. So obviously she's not used to being in a home, like in a home. Basically, you kind of like train them up if they are able to be trained, you know, look after them, get them fit and healthy again. She was pretty like, underweight when we got her you know like fur in pretty bad shape and all that kind of stuff but yeah she's a really fast learner we've had her just over two weeks now and she's uh pretty well house trained already she won't like listen to any commands unless there's some kind of treat involved yeah pretty fast learner she likes walking around and like running around bounding around but she doesn't like having a harness or a lead or any of that kind of stuff put on her so it's kind of like train them up to get to that point where potentially another home could adopt them. But we also are able to adopt her ourselves if it all works out. So, you know, we're really enjoying having her around at the moment. So that's uh, definitely something that we would uh, we would consider in the future. Oh, okay, that's cool. Very often my dog will not listen to a word I'm saying. You know, he's off running around and he spots or smells something that he's interested in. Doesn't matter what I say, he's gone. He's gone until he's had enough or I go and get him. Yeah. That's pretty much her as well. Although, um, you know, she's happy as Larry and then uh, you stick a lead on her and she'll just like stand stock still or like go and hide in the fireplace. She'll turn away from you and not look at you and she thinks that if she can't see you, then you can't see her and you'll leave her alone. Yeah, Pepper's not dissimilar. Uh, you know, he, he loves being out and running around, but whenever he sees the lead in the house, he's like, oh, I don't want it. So you get to do the thing that you like. So shut up, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think I think Eva would really like going for a walk and, uh, you know, like hanging out with other dogs and stuff. But, um, well, firstly, she's a fair weather dog. So at first we could not get her in the house at all. She did not want to come in, which is fair enough. But now we can't get her to go out at all because it's a tiny bit of rain. You know, she gets her paws a tiny little bit wet outside. That's it. She's straight in. She won't go out on her own accord anymore. So <laughs> maybe when the weather clears up a bit. But yeah, no, so fun and games, a bit different. I assume having a dog is pretty much like having kids. 
Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's leave that one alone, shall we? <laughs> Life must be much easier for you now that you've got a, a fantastic AeroPress coffee maker in your house to enjoy delicious swift coffee in seconds. It, it is pretty decent, yeah. Uh, Lara's uh, a bigger user of it than me because I I still prefer the uh, longer brew cafetiere method, but maybe that's just because I'm old school. But yeah, Lara uses it every day. And, you know, whenever she makes me a coffee, which um, is obviously not often enough, um, mm. I get an AeroPress one as well. But, you know, that's not to say that there are not other coffee preparation methods available out there. I mean, there are inferior methods like the cafetiere method, which is used by idiots and simpletons. But um, yeah. <laughs> Well, the AeroPress is quite complicated at first. It does take some getting used to. Really? Oh, never mind. Well, you know, you've got to get the right balance, uh, the right right amount of grinds in there, the right amount of uh, water and all of that kind of stuff, and then leave it long enough. I find that following the instructions, you get a very, very weak brew that I have to put more coffee in it, less water, and then uh, stir it for longer. Yeah, you sort of get to do your own thing. And also, you know, you can um, grind your beans to your different levels of fineness. If you have a slightly sort of coarser grind, that's quite good as well. If it's too fine, I find that the water just goes straight through it and it's not as effective. Whereas a coarser grind tends to hold the moisture a bit more and you get a stronger flavour. Oh, that's good to know. We don't grind our own beans. Uh, therein lies the problem, I guess. We are too yeah. lazy for that. We just buy pre-ground. Oh, I mean, you've got a Nutribullet. I just used a Nutribullet for mine. Brilliant. Do you know what? I tried making uh, hummus the other day with the Nutribullet and it did not go so well. But um, I think because it's not, you know, like the latest model, it's more blender rather than food processor. So, you know, you, yeah. you have anything dry in there and it doesn't chop it up properly. Ah, uh, okay. You sort of made that sound yeah. like you've got a steam-powered Nutribullet with a hand crank or something. <laughs> I think it was like... Victoria Nutribullet. Yeah, yeah, steampunk. Obviously, I've never made hummus before, so I didn't really know the process. It's actually apparently quite simple if you have a decent food processor. I had to make the tahini first because I didn't have any of that. I didn't really know what it was either. So um, accidentally burnt the um, sesame seeds. So uh, we had a very burnt tasting hummus. Um, and I thought, oh, you know what? Like, I don't know how many chickpeas go into one pot of hummus. I imagine that once it's all mushed up, probably quite a lot. You know, I'll make a big load of tahini and stick two massive cans of chickpeas in and ended up with about a kilogram of uh, bloody hummus, which I, I quite like hummus, but when you buy one of those little pots, you definitely don't get a kilogram. We ended up basically having to research recipes that use hummus specifically and then just sort of... <laughs> so we ended up with a, a hummus pizza, which... Um, yeah, I mean, I won't be doing that again, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I was eating hummus a lot last week. <laughs> you must have been uh, farting constantly. You can't blame the dog for all of them, James, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a handy excuse to have, but it's not fair on either, is it? No, true, true. So have you got any beer that you've been drinking recently that you'd like to uh, share with the listeners? Or not share the beer, obviously, because that would just... Oh, well, I was going to say, no, they can't, they can't have any fucking beer. Get their own fucking beer, bastards. Despicable. <laughs> Give them a free podcast every few weeks. What more do they want? Jesus. Oh, exactly. Well, okay, any beer recommendations you'd like to share? Drink beer. That's my recommendation. Yeah, as long as you do it responsibly. Nah, do it irresponsibly.
in large quantities until you can't see anymore. No, I think as long as you drink one beer at a time, that's probably responsible. That's fucking bullshit. That's like rookie shit. You've got to drink two beers at the same time and for five straight hours, you know, many different <laughs> beers. And then when you're completely pissed drunk, go on our website and buy merch. We've got merch yet? You can buy Penny Radio Hummus online. There you go. Great. Made by one of the hosts. Yeah. It's only available by kilogram and minimum order 10 kilograms. It's a bargain. It's an absolute bargain. It's life-changing hummus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely do that. Follow our uh, guidance as much as possible, especially when it comes to guidance around drinking and buying stuff that you probably don't need. Probably. (laughs) Well, you know, some people might need hummus. Well, you could probably have used this hummus to build a house. It's set pretty uh, hard afterwards, so... You've really sold it. You've really right. sold it. I, I have sold you uh, 10 kilograms of bowel obstruction. Way fantastic. <laughs> hey, you don't know the price yet. I think the price is going to have to be a new Nutribullet because I did completely fuck up our <laughs> one trying to make it, and then it stopped working, and Lara was like, oh, my God, you've broken my Nutribullet. It's like, oh, it wasn't me, it was the hummus. And then, like, after a bit of, a, a lot of cleaning and a, a bit of time off, it started working again. So, luckily, it wasn't me, it was the hummus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it sounds like the price of your hummus is a colonoscopy, so I think, uh, I think I'm all right. So, colonoscopy uh, and a Nutribullet. Yeah. Not a colonoscopy with a Nutribullet, though, because that, that's niche. <laughs> That's a finance podcast. This is great. You've, you've segued nicely into personal finance. Well done, James. That was smooth. <laughs> of course. Like you, it was a happy accident. Unfortunately, I, don't, I think that my parents actually tried for me, which is probably worse than a happy accident, right? So Will was the accident? No. My youngest sister was the accident. Uh, did she know? Yeah, yeah. We tell her every time. Just, you know, keep her grounded. <laughs> Reasonable. It's fair. You're not supposed to be here. Shut the fuck up. No, you can't have any presents. But it's my birthday. Don't care. Shouldn't have a birthday, should you? The cheeky cow, she tried to steal my birthday. Born two days before me. But eight years after. But two days before my birthday. I mean, that's just, that's just rude. I know. So who do you think got all the attention growing up after I turned eight? I mean, based on the tone of your voice when you asked the question, I'm going to say her. But... Yeah, that is right. It was her. Is there a surprising plot twist that actually everyone just disliked her and your mum was like, fuck, I wish I'd stayed off the sherry? <laughs> well, I mean, that didn't not happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess they felt they had to make up for it and uh, give her more attention as a result of that. But there we go. Cool. And that, listeners, is uh, this week's uh, roundup of current affairs. As always, it's, you know, current well, I think the only thing that we can probably take out of that is that you should always think about drinking responsibly. No, 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 no. It's beer-flavoured hummus. It's frothy, but it's also surprisingly solid. Hmm, strange. Like solid froth? Yeah, or if, like, you saw a, a, saw a swimming pool and it was all frothy on top and you thought, oh, that looks fucking great, I'm going to jump in, but actually... It was like a really shallow pool that they have for toddlers and stuff and just slammed really hard into the ground and broke like your hip. That sounds like yeah, that that shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I imagine. I, uh, yeah, totally. 
Are you out of plaster casts yet? Well, partially, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's crack on with it then, I think. <laughs> Quality punmanship there. Fantastic crack on. Nice. <laughs> Okay, so last time we talked about the importance of looking at our current positions and building up a picture of our current financial health. We looked at things like our investments and our debt to give us a net statement of wealth. We also said, though, that this can only ever be a snapshot of a particular moment in time. If you go back over those tables that you put together after the last episode, which I'm sure you all did, it doesn't tell you whether your position has got better or worse. Also, it doesn't tell you where you might be heading next. So this week, we're going to start looking at where our money comes from and where it goes. By figuring this out, we can see whether we're in the red and spending more than we get, or in the black and spending less than we get each month. This will tell us whether our financial health is getting better or worse. And if we really look at where our money is going, we can see where making a few changes might help improve our situations. Now, this is really best done by looking back over a few months of our spending. I'd say probably at least three months that you get a good feel of what's going in and out and, you know, like all of those supposed one-off expenses that aren't actually one-offs. And the best place to start to do this is your bank statements. It will tell you exactly what you spent on what and what money you've got coming in as well. It tells you where you've taken cash out. So where you have taken cash out, look at that date and try and remember what it was that you spent it on to give you a good, accurate record of your total spending. Some of you more tech-savvy people may have banking apps, so Starling, Monzo, Revolut, those kind of things. And anytime you spend any money, it sends you an instant notification on your phone. You can tag it of what type of spend it was, like food shopping, going out for dinner or drinks, birthday presents, that kind of thing. And then it shows you what you spent in each category each month, and then how that compares to what money you've had coming in. I personally use these because I find them so much easier and quicker But if you prefer going through it all yourself, then do whatever works for you. Doing all of this now will get you into a good habit of tagging or recording this information on a regular basis. It will also get you to be more in tune, like zen-like with your bank account. Is that a thing? Yeah, we'll make it a thing. Be one with your bank account. You sound like an advert for a bank now. Yeah, be one bank. Well, I don't know. Do we want everyone to be with one bank or is it good to have many banks? competition in the market we don't want a monopoly james true it's so you're in the mean. pocket of big big banking terrible it's a big pocket there's plenty of room you're a massive banker <laughs> craig when was the last time you actually used cash well not recently because cash isn't allowed anymore and then before the whole corona thing we're you using cash on a regular basis oh god that's a pain in the ass isn't it to carry it around it is who wants a pocket full of change nobody Exactly. There's not many uses for a pocket full of change. I mean, unless you go into a football match, obviously. <laughs> Only if you go and watch Newcastle, I guess. Well, I mean, is it, yeah. Is, yeah. is that because uh, you can buy it with a pocket full of change, the club? Fuck, I wish. Jesus, let's not get started <laughs> on that. God, thanks. I'm super depressed. Thanks for that. Positive is that Newcastle are currently beating Burnley 3-1, so that's nice. That's 3-1? Wow. Yeah, yeah. What's that in the championship? Get fucked, egg chaser. <laughs> Didn't you lose to Brighton the other day as well? Yeah, we were shit. Who do you support oh. when it's Newcastle versus Brighton? Newcastle, obviously. Just because my in-laws yeah. are Brighton fans. Fuckers. Yeah, but you basically live in Brighton. 
I live nowhere near Brighton. I live like 25 miles away from Brighton. That's pretty close. You wouldn't even drive eight miles to a fucking Tesco's to buy decent beer. Fuck off, close. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, fair point taken. I'd like to say you can get decent beer in Sainsbury's, but the range just isn't as extensive as in Tesco. Yeah, there is a massive range of craft beer in Tesco. It is surprisingly tremendous. There's an Instagram account I follow called Domo Beers, who's the main guy who buys the beer for Tesco. And he's great. He seems like he's got a fucking great life. People send him beer all the time. Every night of the week, he's trying a different, interesting beer. Sounds fucking class. That's his job. Really? I know, right? Oh, he gets to try all kinds of great beers. Quality. Gets well, loads of beer sent to him. He just runs competitions all the time to give away the beer that has been sent to him that he's not going to drink. It's great. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Maybe you could give some of it to the Sainsbury's beer buyer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they don't have somebody. I mean, their, their range is, is not that great. The Tesco's one of them no. has some thought put into it. It's tremendous. They have like tiers almost. You know, there's, there's sort of ones where you get like a can and it's 350 or four quid. And then there's sort of a, a next level down where you can get, I don't know, three for six quid or something. And then there's another level where you can get five for six quid or something like that. It's great. There's just lots of interesting things. Yeah, I do like that, actually. Although the different levels, I always look at the £3.50 level and I'm like, oh, those beers look good. I'll put a few in, you know, the trolley and then go, hang on, that's about 35 quid's worth of beer. All right, let's put that back and let's just go for quantity over quality, which I guess that's a cheapskate in me, always looking for a good deal and then always coming up disappointed when I've got, I wouldn't say disappointed, but eight cans of okay beer is not as good as three cans of very good beer. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, it sounds like you might have a problem. I don't drink a great deal of beer. I only drink really on Friday and Saturday and then I have one or two. So I don't want to go for the quality rather than the quantity. Sounds like you're drinking rather too much, James. No, well, it's just that I don't go to Tesco that regularly. So if there's, you know, good quality beer, I like to stock up. But then it doesn't really work out that well because I like to stock up on too many of the good quality ones and then my budget doesn't stretch that far. So first world problems. <laughs> but anyway, I think the point is that we're trying to make is that no one really uses cash anymore or not as much as any time prior to this in history. Pretty much everyone uses cards, electronic banking. You can even send money via texts. It's all electronic these days. And I think that's really great because, you know, you can send money instantly, you can receive it instantly, you can get all these notifications telling you what you're spending, how much you've got, check your balance, like just by putting your fingerprint in your phone or whatever. It's great. I think the problem is, and a lot of research shows this, is that people are very disassociated with what they're spending when they can't actually see and feel that money going out. So if you don't have to reach into your pocket, count out your change, it doesn't seem as real as if you had to do that. Think about it. If you had to go into a shop and buy £100 and a pair of trainers and you just went in and you went up to the counter and you're like, yeah, I'll get these trainers. Okay, great. That's 100 quid. All right. I'll just stick it on my card, put my card in, tap in four digits. That's it. Bang. It's yours. You don't see that money going out of your account. Whereas in the olden days, you used to have to go to the cash point check your balance. Oh shit, there's not much in there. All right. Okay. So I've taken that out. And then you go into the shop. Oh, that's a hundred quid, right? I've got to count out 10, 10 pound notes. Well, that's quite a lot of money. Here you go. Oh no, my pocket feels a lot lighter. 
you know what I mean? It's quite disassociative with all the great technology that we have these days. So I think that people end up spending more than they mean to, and they don't really keep a very good track on what it is that they're spending. Yeah, I think that sounds um, pretty accurate, to be honest. Neither myself nor my wife are particularly good at keeping track of what we're spending. One of us more so than the other. No comment <laughs> on who that might be. But um, the fact that you don't literally have to give somebody the cash, it all happens remotely away from your view, means that, yeah, it is quite easy to overspend. Well, in these days, you don't even have to tap in your pin, do you? You just you know, tap your card on the machine if it's under a certain amount of money. You don't even have to get your card out. Pretty much anyone can just pay with their phone these days. They don't even have to think about it. They're certainly making it easy for you to spend, as easy as possible. At one point, they were talking about being able to pay just by uh, retina scan. Yeah, it could be. Isn't the iris unique as well? That might work. Who knows? Do you reckon that would impact if you tried to buy stuff? just by using your eyeballs. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the sound of that, to be honest. What if you glance at something by mistake? That'd be terrible. <laughs> Shit, I've just bought everyone a drink in the pub. Exactly. It'd be awful. Fuck. <laughs> you wear sunglasses at all times. Yeah. What, what if you wander into, like, I don't know, fucking Fort Mason and act, you know, end up buying a 30 quid jar of jam or some shit? Fuck, no. It'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it seems like it's a lot easier to to buy stuff now than when you had to stand there and write out a check by hand. Do you remember that, Craig? Did you ever have to write out checks? Yeah, I did. I did. I once went to the pub with somebody who didn't have any money, but was going to have some in like four days or something. So he wrote, he wrote out a check for a round of beers. <laughs> 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 he knew it would take a while for it to clear and figured it would be all right by then. Yeah. I remember going to the supermarket and my dad writing out a check every single week in the supermarket, like at the till. <laughs> he did it at the till. Um, <laughs> can you just imagine that now? Like, it already takes bloody ages to buy your shopping, doesn't it? Can you imagine, like, yeah. having to wait for everyone to write out a check? Oh, that'd be a nightmare. I used to hate when I worked in the shop. I used to hate when people paid with checks. It was bloody awful. Yeah. Yeah, it seems such a bizarre way, but there we go. So obviously technology has its pros and cons because you don't have to do that anymore. But does it let you be in tune with what you're spending as much as potentially the old ways? Probably not. Although you can use it to your advantage if you do make the most of things like banking apps and budgeting apps, because it will really make you see what you are spending. So that's definitely something that I'd recommend that you do. Just try and get in tune with your bank accounts as much as possible. Personal finance is just that, it's personal. So anytime your personal situation changes, like your rent goes up, you change jobs, you have a kid, you start fostering a dog, you know, you buy a new house, whatever it is, it's always good to redo this kind of thing. So do three months and then go back over your previous three months worth of spending to see how that change has impacted you. And it will help you see if you need to make any adjustments to deal with that change, like spending a bit less and going out if your rent's gone up, or maybe spending a bit more if you've just got a promotion or increasing the amount that you save each month. That's what building your financial framework is all about. You, you have set processes, you have set things that you do on a regular basis, and that framework gives you the ability to make sure that they are done in the same way every single time. So when your situation changes, you can go through and use the framework to reassess you know, what your situation is now that you've experienced that change. Like you say, whether it's a an increase in rent or an increase in salary because you've got a promotion. 
if you've got that framework built, it's there, you can lean on it, you can rely on it to make sure that you can effectively assess your situation as and when it changes. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to do here, Craig. That's quite Pretty right. much spot. On your castle of one. Fantastic. 3-1. Crack open a Nuki Brown, though. <laughs> I haven't had a Nuki Brown in ages. <laughs> it's not in the uh, top tier of uh, Tesco's beers. Well, they do have it in there, but it's just a bit further down the aisle. Hmm. Yeah, a bit further down. Fourth tier, just like the football team. Oh, it's a nice beer. It's really good. It is decent. It's not. It's not as good as some of the craft beer out there, though. No, that's fair enough. But it's you know much more mass produced. But it, yeah, it is nice. Oh, I do agree with you there, definitely. So first up, then let's look at the good things, the happy and joyful things of money coming in. So, Craig, what sort of examples can you think of where we might get money coming into our accounts? You know, we have regular monthly salary, um, sell a kidney. You sold your kids. You probably got a big big amount of money for, for selling your kids. Um, Not that much. Somebody dies and you get a windfall. That's it's always lovely. You win the lottery. It's tremendous. It's your birthday and people give you loads of cash in their birthday cards. But obviously we've, we've talked about how cash is essentially useless. So birthday cash would be our advice. <laughs> you can't burn it anymore. It's plastic. Yeah, that's true. Exchange it for book tokens at your nearest um, bookshop. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. The only thing that I didn't have on my list was selling kidney. So um, clearly you're more entrepreneurial than myself. Well, you've got two for a reason, right? I've always got a spare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a couple of other things as well. So if you're slightly older than Craig and I, only slightly older than Craig, uh, you might be getting your pension. That could be a regular income. You can also get income from things like investments. You know, if you've got property that you rent out or even if you've got you know stocks and shares and you can get an income through dividends that they pay or any interest that that pays. And you might also receive some money on a regular basis from someone else, like a parent or a family member or spousal maintenance or child support from an ex-partner. So they're pretty much the main ways that you get money coming in. So the, the best thing to do is go through your accounts over the last three months, work out all the money you get in in a normal month. So things like one-offs, bonuses, birthday money, selling a kidney, they don't count unless you're going to do that on a monthly basis. So I don't recommend selling a kidney on a monthly basis, at least not your own anyway. Well, I mean, that's a great point. You know, you could always act as a middleman um, and sell other yeah. people's. You know, you're connecting the seller and the, and the buyer. There's, there's a market out there, James. It just needs people to bring the people together. That probably counts as your uh, regular work income, though. So it probably fall up the yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah, you're probably right there. Damn. <laughs> anyway, if you go through all of those regular payments coming in, that's your normal. So label that as like your normal income. The, the reason for doing this is that we'll soon see the other side of the coin and go through the money going out. And the idea is to see if your normal income covers your normal outgoings. Whilst we're looking at the money coming in side of things, it is a good time to consider how much money you're earning or have coming into your account each year. This is good to know as it will tell you things like what state benefits you might be entitled to, what tax allowances you might get, you know, your tax bracket that you fall into. And that can help you plan the best way to save or invest your money when we go over that bit in the future part of the financial framework. So it can help you save, but it can also stop you from paying too much tax. So looking at it on an annual basis is also quite helpful. 
So let's flip it over then and look at the scarier side of the coin. Something that a lot of us don't like to think about, all the money coming out of our accounts. Craig, you've already said that you and your wife don't really track that so much. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that you have more individual transactions going out than you do coming in? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, you're buying little bits here and there. Obviously, you've got some big monthly payments like, you know, your mortgage and all of that, you know, like any transport to work, all of that kind of stuff. But you're buying like a can of beer here or like a sandwich there or whatever. So when you go through your bank statements, it might look pretty scary because you've got hundreds and hundreds of transactions going out. Fairly small amounts, but it still looks like the majority of the transactions on your account are going out and there's only one or two that are coming in each month. So that in itself is scary. But then you might go, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's okay. It's only two quid here, three quid there. That's all right. So there's no way that I'm spending more than that. But when you actually add it all up, you'll be surprised at just how big that total amount can get to. You obviously know what it's like, Craig, because you're having to buy things for your kids all the time, having to buy your lunch when you're in the office, all that kind of stuff. You know, you think it's not that much on an individual transaction basis, but at the end of the month, it certainly adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's like being being stung to death by a thousand bees. (laughs) And do you think that that probably puts you off looking at your account on a regular basis? Yeah, I'd say so. You know, it's never nice to see just how many bees are stinging you, is it? <laughs> exactly. If you know that it's not going to look pretty, then people tend to avoid looking at it. But the problem with that is that people don't necessarily know where their money's actually going or have a proper grasp on how much they're spending. And that can mean that they don't make only small adjustments that could put them in a better financial situation. That actually makes things worse, and then it makes them even less likely to look in the future. So it's definitely worth going through and just firstly working out all your total outgoings. And most bank statements will tell you that total at the top somewhere and tell you how much you spent in that period of time. But the key thing is that when you add up the amounts that are coming in and the amounts that are going out, that the total amount leaving your account is not bigger than the total amount coming into your account on a regular monthly basis. That's your normal spend, your normal income and your normal spend. So, Craig, you've gone through the kind of money that you have coming into your account. What sort of money do you have going out of your account? What sort of transactions do you make on a monthly basis? Well, like you said, there's the regular ones. There's uh, mortgage payment, council tax, utilities, all of that kind of stuff. Food. But I think that's that's one that people often um, underestimate as well. It's not just the, uh, the weekly shop. There's all the other bits and pieces that crop up as well that fit within that category that's an easy one to to undervalue as it were there are seemingly endless numbers of people who sell lovely things on instagram that we uh, have in the house uh, or need to dress the the youngest one in there's so many of them and they all have sales (laughs) it's obviously amazing value yeah i mean for my own part I, i buy coffee from a local coffee company so every, every month I spend like 30 quid on a big bag of coffee beans. Want to give them a shout out? Oh, yeah. Horsham Coffee Roasters. They are absolutely fantastic. All of their coffee is, is fair trade. It comes from small uh, coffee plantations from all across the world. Some of them even have a sort of one tree planted program where they you know, try and make sure that deforestation isn't too much of a problem. They work hard. They build relationships with these small suppliers so they can get fantastic coffee beans with you know a, a range of different flavors absolutely fantastic they're a wonderful company i can't speak highly enough of them they want to deliver beans or 
pre-ground coffee to, directly to your to your house swiftly and efficiently, and it is fantastic. Excellent. But yeah, so obviously Craig has his very expensive addictions um, like coffee, craft beer, crack, Cocaine. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's right, Craig. There's lots of little things that go out that you don't really think about. You buy something here, you buy something there. But yeah, you're right, groceries, they certainly add up. When I lived in London, I didn't have a car, but since I moved out of London, I've got a car. And I thought, you know, buying it off the mother-in-law, fairly cheap, obviously got a bad deal because it was falling apart. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. But, you know, I thought, that's it. One-off payment, you know, a few hundred quid, brilliant. But no, definitely not. Insurance, that's a scam. I'm joking. You work in insurance, so I can't say that. But car insurance is expensive. Petrol, got to put money towards your... Uh, is it road tax? It is tax, yep. some sort of tax, isn't it? Road tax. Yeah, road tax. The way you're talking it's... sounds like you're not paying your road tax. You're not paying your road tax, James, because that's that's not okay. You've got to pay your road tax. <laughs> I've paid it, right? <laughs> uh, no, fully paid up, fully paid up. So, yeah, you've got all these you know, payments. Some of them are sort of annual one-offs that you should probably put a little bit of money aside for each month. So, like, your MOT and any servicing costs. And then others are regular, so your insurance or your, you know, your petrol and all that kind of stuff. So that certainly adds up for me. If you've got debt, then you know your regular debt repayments each month, you've got to take that into consideration. I don't really buy much in the way of clothing, but every now and again, I, I do go out and buy you know like new pants. Other things that you might think that you don't have to budget for, but things like birthdays, for example. But you're probably fine that out of all the people that you buy birthday presents for, on average, is at least one a month. So you may as well put aside the amount that you'd spend each month for that. Things like, you know, going out and entertainment. Yeah, there's a million different ways to spend your money, right? So we can't go through all of them. But I think the, the key here is that as you go through, again, just note down what are your regular outgoings. And you can categorize them if you don't have a banking app like Starling or Monzo, uh, where you can select you know, what category it falls into. As you go through your bank statements, you can just categorize them. So like, right, I know groceries next to it or whatever. And then at the end of going through all of your statements for the last three months, add up what it is that you're spending on groceries, what you're spending on your car, that kind of stuff, your commute, your mortgage or your rent, all of that so that you know exactly where you have to spend money as a basic necessity each month. And then where, you have to, where you're spending other money that's not a basic necessity as well. This is all building into having more oversight and more control of our spending, which will help us make sure that we're using our money as wisely as we can. Like I say, I mean, this is sort of a one-off exercise that you do at the beginning. And then, you know, again, when you, when you have any major changes, but it's always still worth keeping an eye on your account. I'm not talking about every day logging into your bank or whatever. Monthly is probably not enough because all you're doing is you're probably logging in the day after you get your monthly pay and going, great, my account looks brilliant, and then sort of ignoring everything else. So I'd say putting down a regular time, so say like a, I don't know, a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening or whatever, just to log on to your bank account, have a quick look at the, all the money that's gone out in the last week what sort of position your bank account's in now. And you know, think about what you're probably going to spend in the next week and whether your bank account's got enough money in there to cover that. It's just about being mindful of how much money's coming in and out of your account, where you're spending your money as well, what sort of categories you're spending it on. 
then you know when you come to do any sort of financial planning you know where you might want to make changes you'll probably notice after a while that the majority of your spending falls into two main buckets and that's the regular necessary stuff that you don't have a choice over so like your rent your bills your food what we call your basic expenditure and the other main bucket is the stuff that you have more choice over like going out holidays entertainment which is called your discretionary expenditure discretionary means stuff that you're choosing to spend your money on and that you don't need to survive and you probably also notice that your basic expenditure is very regular it comes out the same time each month and is roughly the same amount whereas it's your discretionary expenditure that changes depending on whatever you're doing each month so it can be very different it's really your discretionary expenditure that can trip you up if you're spending too much money without realizing it as you're keeping an eye on your accounts, one thing to look at is towards the end of the month, are you going into your overdraft quite regularly? Or do you start using a credit card or something like that? If you are, then depending where it is in the month, then it can become an escalating problem. If it's towards the end of the month, then it might not be an issue because you might just be doing, you know, might be going into overdraft for a day or two and you could potentially make a few small changes to avoid that and paying any interest. But if it's quite soon after getting paid, and that probably isn't too healthy, and it's the kind of thing that you want to avoid doing. That's definitely something worth looking at as you're going through your accounts. And the other thing to do is looking at the money going out of your accounts. When you log in online, if you go to regular payments, you'll see that you've got uh, things called direct debits and standing orders. And they're basically regular payments that are coming out of your account each month on certain dates. And we talked about these when we looked at bank accounts in the last season. So we don't need to go over it too much, but it's for things like your utility bills, your phone bills, gym memberships, that kind of stuff. Or maybe even like your mortgage or the rent that you pay to your landlord. And it's worth going through these every few months or so, just going down the list and seeing if any of them are unnecessary anymore. Because what you sometimes find is that if you've switched phone provider, switched gas provider or whatever, or even change gyms, that accidentally sometimes you might still be paying out to the old provider or the old gym because you haven't cancelled your direct debits or standing orders. So once you're sure that you have paid all that you owe to the old provider or the old you know, gym or whatever it is, make sure that you log on and cancel those regular payments, those direct debits and standing orders. Because it's amazing how much people actually spend on the stuff they're not even using anymore. Like I did it myself the other day. I realized that I was paying £2.40 a month for a subscription for something that ran out two months before. Now, most companies can be quite good at cancelling them on their end, but not all will. And it's always harder to get the money back than it is to pay it out. Trying to get your you know, two or three months worth of rent back from your landlord of a place that you haven't lived in for two or three months is going to be pretty tricky. And they're going to be quite reluctant to give you money back, that's for sure. It only takes a few minutes to do, so it's definitely worth doing maybe like every three or so months. But don't cancel anything that you definitely need to pay because then you may become indebted to the company who then may charge penalties. So it can add up or you could find your services cut off or something like that. And the other thing, when you're going through those regular payments that are coming out, are the dates on them suitable for you? Are they coming out when you're already running out of money towards the end of the month before you get paid? Or are they coming out straight after you get paid? Because you will be able to find that when you go onto those companies' websites that you sign up for and you're paying a regular amount, you can normally select the date that suits you the best. So I personally have all mine set up 
for the day after I get my monthly salary come in. That way I know that all the payments I've got to make that month that I have to for my regular necessary things have come out. And then any money that's left over is mine to spend on what I want to. So it's worth doing that, just getting things in order a little bit. So then you're not like, oh, I've got £100 left. Great, I can spend it. Oh, shit, I've got £150 council tax bill coming out next week that I forgot about. I've already spent the money. Just do that on a regular basis and you'll find that it makes quite a lot of difference, actually. Craig, is there anything random that you've found that you've been paying for without even realising it before? No, but I did work with a lady who um, didn't necessarily pay as much attention as she ought to. And she called to add her daughter to her car insurance policy. And she just passed her test. Uh, and, you know, she did all that and got it all sorted and, and didn't think too much about it. They sent her out a letter and she sort of glanced at it and saw that it was roughly the, the right number. I think she'd been paying 300 quid a, a month or sorry, a year or something like that. It went from there and that was fine. And then she realized several months down the line that she'd been paying rather a lot more than she expected. And it's because the letter... Three thousand, not three hundred. Right. So there was a there was an extra zero that she hadn't quite realised, and so she had to the insurance company and figure out what was what. Yeah. Wow. She's one of those people who was wealthy enough to not have to give a shit. She was. Um, well, she she must have been very wealthy to uh, not notice that. Yeah. Well, so I think she had a reasonable job, and she was a trustee for a large insurance company and a couple of other bits, as well as her actual job. And her husband did a fair bit. He was a consultant, something to do in the oil industry, I think. He went to all kinds of interesting places, quite far away from her for quite a length of time, strangely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds like your ideal job. She used to repeat her stories, but she used to tell us how they, they had found a, a wine that they particularly liked, and it had some money off in Tesco. And so for the length of the deal, they'd gone and bought like boxes and boxes of the stuff. So they had like something like a hundred boxes of wine in their garage. What? Because they, uh, that's madness. Yeah. She was odd. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's mental. And so she cocked up her insurance payments, even though she worked for an insurance company. Yeah. Wow. There you go. There you go, listeners. It's always worth checking these things out. Learn from her mistakes. As well as all those other things that you've got coming out of your account, it's always worth bearing in mind at this stage what you're actually paying for before the money even reaches your account. So what I mean by that is anything that you're paying out of your wages that your company takes directly. That's something that a lot of people forget about. But it's always worth checking to see if you're paying the right amount of tax and national insurance. It will also help you to see how much you and your employer are paying into your pension. And that will also help you work out if that's enough or not. But you'll also be able to see on your wage slip if you're paying any student loan, how much you're paying each month. Season ticket loans. Season ticket loans, exactly. Employee benefits as well. So things like private health care, life insurance, professional body membership fees. You can buy and sell annual leave in some companies as well. These benefits can be very good for people. They can be very suitable for people as well, especially as they're cheaper than you can normally buy yourself if you buy it through the company. But it also is worth noting how much you're actually spending of your, of your actual wage before it's reaching your bank account. Because that might mean that, firstly, you don't need to buy travel insurance if you're already getting it through your company. Secondly, it might also be a case of, Say you're going to be a bit tight over the next few months because you've got a big purchase coming up. You know, you need some money to, you know, for your deposit for your house or 
you know that your car needs to be completely repaired or replaced or whatever, and you're looking at ways to potentially reduce your spending, it's worth asking whether you need those benefits. And if you don't, whether you can just temporarily put them on hold or cancel them or whatever, and use that money towards what you actually need it for. So yeah, that's always worth bearing in mind as well. And I think that's pretty much it of all the money that you've got going out, um, unless you can think of anything else, Craig? No, nothing Nothing springs to mind. Like you say, you've got your discretionary spend and then you've got all the other bits and pieces that you need to spend money on. No, I think that's it. Great. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for today then. Uh, what I'm going to do is put a, um, a little spreadsheet in the show notes on the, on the website, pennyradio.co.uk, where... I'll just put in a sort of categories that you might find your money going in and your money going out for. I'll put in three months worth so that you can use that to record your spending in each of those categories and your money coming in in each of those categories. And then it will work out your totals and see whether you're in the red or in the black, so to speak, and whether you're in a good position on a regular basis or a bad position. And if you're in the red, so you're spending more than you're earning, and that's on a regular basis, then that means going forwards, your position is only going to get worse. If it's even, then you're going to stay the same. And if you're in the black, and that means that you're bringing in more money than you're spending on a regular basis, your financial position is only going to get better. So it will give you a good idea of how things are going to progress in the future, rather than just that fixed point that we looked at in the last episode. In the last episode, we looked at that fixed moment in time. Today, we've talked about our ongoing situation. So I think on the next episode, I'm going to say, Craig, that we're going to dive into considering what our future positions are a little bit more. So I think what we'll do next episode is delve a little bit more into pensions, which we've only really touched on so far on Penny Radio. So what do you reckon about that, Craig? Does that get your juices flowing? Well, no, uh, I can't say it does, and I'm not sure pensions should ever get anyone's juices flowing. That would be weird. But uh, what I will say <laughs> is that pensions are, are often a mystery to many, myself included. So I think that sounds like a very sensible way to, to move forward um, to help shed some light on a necessarily the most straightforward of areas. Uh, the other question I had is you mentioned the spreadsheet there. I, I used to work many moons ago. I used to work, uh, was for an insurance company, but there was a spreadsheet that did the rounds where uh, at the very sort of top, it just told you to go down to like row 11,000 and somebody had embedded um, an emulated copy of Sonic the Hedgehog that you could play with the keyboard. Yeah. So will your spreadsheet have that? I don't know if I'm allowed to do that for copyright reasons, but I'm sure that people could easily use a certain search engine to find that. I know exactly what you mean. There are other versions as well. So Sonic, Tetris... Yeah, all the good old games. I think, hmm. is there even a, a Mario one as well? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was. We'll just say there was. I remember having it in my first job and uh, over Christmas, just, uh, yeah, I'm on Excel. Yeah, yeah, doing work. Scroll down. Perfect. Magic. It's great, wasn't it? Those were the days. Yeah, brilliant. If you go do a Google image search, you can the Google image search will transform into, oh, God, what's the game? Hang on, I shall find out. Breakout. If you do an image search for Atari Breakout, then cool. you can play that. That's awesome. What on the, on Google Images? Yeah, I have to check that out. Cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up, then, Craig. So, um, 
If all you millions of listeners out there would like to find out more, uh, please uh, go on the website, pennyradio.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Penny Radio Pod. And if you like the show, why not give us a review on whatever platform you listen on? Uh, I should specify huh? a five-star review on whatever platform. Of, of course, a five-star review. They're, they're the only ones that are actually accepted. There isn't anything lower than five-star. Yeah, and if you're thinking of leaving anything less than a five-star review, you should um, think about your life choices. <laughs> Craig will hunt you down. I mean, I'm not going to hunt down a fucking loser who can't identify a five-star podcast. Why would I waste my time? And on that note, it's goodbye from me. Let's fuck off from me. Thank you for tuning in to Penny Radio. Join me next time where we'll be continuing the journey to help you master your money. Thank you.